0: Here we go. Yes, you're listening to Law and Gospel on this Thursday. I believe it's January the 11th in the year of our Lord, 2024. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and it's really Wednesday. Excuse me. I'm off again today. It's really hard getting these dates correct. I keep thinking we're in 2023, but we are gone from that. And those of you who have sent contributions for law and gospel will be receiving IRS letters to deduct those contributions from your income tax. And if you have any questions about it, you should receive them before the end of January. And my email is Tom Baker at brick.net. That's BRI ck.net. Well, what we have been doing on Wednesdays is taking a look at Proverbs, and we're almost getting near the end of the book of Proverbs. We're in chapter 30, which is beginning with the words of Agur, son of Jacke, his prophetic revelation. Now, the problem is, no other person in the Old Testament bears the name of the words of Agur, son of Jaki. Jewish tradition took it to be a synonym for Solomon himself, who, of course, had written much of the book of Proverbs under inspiration of the Holy Spirit. There was an attempt and an effort to assign the entire book to Solomon, but there's little evidence for identifying Agur with Solomon. It's best probably to consider Agur, this author of Proverbs 30, to be an unknown Israelite. And we're going to get to the words of King Lemuel in chapter 31. So, last week we went up through verse 10 of Proverbs 30. We are now in verse 11. Now, this is what Agur says a certain kind of person curses his father and does not bless his mother. Now what's interesting about that is Agur is talking about a certain kind of person. This means that there is these kinds of persons. And they, well, they curse their father and their mother. Now, this crime in the Old Testament merited the death penalty according to Exodus 21, verse 17, and Leviticus, verse 20, verse 9, chapter 20, verse 9. You see, in this section of his prophecies, he treats life in this world under God's established order in family and in government. Both the family and the government are gifts of God for our benefit in this life. And therefore, they are to be respected and honored. Now, of course, if parents encourage you to do sin, like maybe selling drugs for them or something along that line, well, then you don't obey the parents. Sometimes a young girl gets pregnant out of wedlock, and the parents encourage her to have an abortion well, she should obey God rather than men in that case. And that goes for the government also. A lot of times, the government has rules and laws that are contrary to Holy Scripture. And therefore, even though the government is in a state established by God, he has provided the government to provide among other things for the proper procreation and raising of children, so that they may be taught to walk in his ways, even as the parents are called to do. In other words, attempts to redefine marriage in ways that allows for frivolous divorce or same-sex unions are sinful and dangerous because they do undermine the very foundation of society. Likewise, a society that allows abortion and other abuses of children is deserving and destroying its own future. So, Agar has carefully and intricately arranged his sayings into a cohesive section that explores three main topics. Family is the first topic. Government is the second. And their foolishness in contrast to wisdom. And that's what verse 11 is talking about. This is foolishness that there are those who curse their father and those who do not bless their mothers. Both of those are indicated as sins against the first commandment. Opposition to parents is subject to judgment. And it is a rejection of God's wisdom through Proverbs. Why is that? Because parents are established by God to be His witnesses to children in order to bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Remember, every person is born with original sin. And therefore, if they are not properly taught and disciplined as they grow up, they become foolish in many of their items. And that foolishness can lead to cursing their fathers and not blessing their mothers. So. Opposition to parents is a rejection of God's wisdom, and that is found throughout Proverbs. In fact, it begins in chapter 1, verse 8. Now, the second person that's talked about in verse 12, this person considers himself pure and clean. Verse 12 reads, There are those who are clean in their own eyes, but they are not washed of their filth. These are persons who have not been baptized, who have not received the gift of the Holy Spirit, who have not repented of their sins. In fact, in John chapter 13, Jesus speaks of the necessity of being washed by him with clean water that he promised us to pour out on his people in order to give them what? A new heart and the Holy Spirit. This is fulfilled in christian baptism throughout this sacrament god bestows the holy spirit and salvation as he works repentance and saving faith so we're talking about three or four individuals here number one those who curse their fathers Number two, those who do not bless their mothers. Number three, those who think they are pure in their own eyes, even though they are not washed of their faith, of their filth. And what is their filth? It is their sin. They have a haughty, attitude. Being clean in their own eyes means that they think they have an arrogant attitude toward God. They don't want to listen to him. And is that ever happening in the world today? People are following all kinds of morality that is contrary to God's holy word. Now, The final person that's mentioned in verse 14. There are those whose teeth are swords, whose fangs are knives, to devour the poor from off the earth, the needy from among mankind. This is the fourth and final person and is the most horrible of all because he not only refuses to help the poor and needy, he actively harms them. And when you harm your neighbor, you really are insulting God, for he is the maker, the maker of the poor and the oppressed. So verse 15 goes on. The leech has two daughters, give and give. Three things are never satisfied. Four never say enough. Now, what is this talking about? This is Agar's way of talking about twin daughters of a leech. Now, a leech is a person who is a parasite, P-A-R-A-S-I-T-E. He lives off the world of others. He's never satisfied and seems to have two mouths, the daughters, give and give. The first pair is positioned at the two ends of life, death, and birth. Sheol is mentioned where it says the leech has two daughters. Sheol, the barren womb, the land never satisfied with water, and the fire that never says enough. That's verse 16. And it's talking about four items that people are never satisfied with. The first is, of course, Sheol, which is hell itself. And therefore, people are actually experiencing hell because They are doing it here on earth and they do not experience the blessings God has. The second problem is a barren womb. That means it can never reach the goal of which God created it. And that is the birth of a child. Remember scripture shows the anxiety of certain mothers who were barren until God interceded in their behalf, referring to Sarah, Rachel, Hannah, and Elizabeth. Now, there are believing women who never conceive a child, yet they should not conclude that God is displeased with them. For all who hear and believe the word of God are blessed. That's according to Luke 11, verses 27 and 28. So the first thing is hell itself. The second item, which never satisfies, is a barren wound. The third item is the instability of land of fire. A dry land such as Philistine seems as if it can never be watered enough. Similarly, feeding a fire will not satisfy it. It will only make it burn more strongly. A blaze will continue to burn and spread as long as it finds fuel. This fourth element in the list is the climax of what Agar is saying. Fire is a metaphor for quarreling, according to Proverbs chapter 26, verse 21. As long as as one adds fuel to a quarrel, it will continue to rage. Hasn't that happened even in marriages that lead to divorce? An argument begins, the husband says one thing, and the wife counteracts with something else that makes the husband say something even more. Just turned to YouTube. And take a look at the FBI and how many times they end up looking at the death of a spouse because the quarreling went too far. As long as that quarrel is fed, it will continue to rage. And that feud can even extend from one generation to the other. That means that the children are affected even by a divorce. They understand that marriage is not a long-term commitment. If they fall out of love, then they can refuse to continue. Verse 17 the eye that mocks a father and scorns to obey a mother will be pushed out by the ravens of the valley and eaten by the vultures. Now, see, this is why you need a pastor to help you understand not just the Hebrew and the Greek but the English. What is he saying? Well, he's returning to the disrespect of parents. The despising eye is probably meant to talk about that haughty person who disrespects his parents. Because to despise godly parents, according to verse 17 to 20, is to despise God himself because they are in the place of God in your life. In other words, there is a subjection. God the Father is highest. Who's subject to him? That's God the Son. And who then is next our parents and the government they are all in subjection to god that's what agar is talking about in verse 17 he talks about that those who mock the father or scorns to obey a mother will be picked out by the ravens of the valley. What does that mean? Well, what he is saying is that your life will not be blessed. The great gift of God to humans is a source of pleasure and joy and comfort. St. Paul explains that this union is bound up in the greater mystical union, namely the great mystery of Christ and his church. Remember, the church are those who are washed and cleansed. There is no doubt, therefore, that Agur is talking against, mocking a father scorning a mother, because your life will be conceived and perceived as being picked out by the ravens of the valley and eaten by the vultures. Verse 18, three things are too wonderful for me. For I do not understand. And then verse 19 explains that. The one thing he doesn't understand is the way of an eagle in the sky. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen those, but those eagles are really something. Flying high in the sky and coming down very quickly. What? To destroy and catch something to eat. That's a real mystery. And it's too wonderful for him. He really has problem understanding that. So, we go on. The second thing is the way of a serpent on a rock. That's also something that is a mystery to Agur, how a serpent can do what it does. And it can be very, very fast. And it can devour things by swallowing them. This is what is in store for those who are not inspired by the Holy Spirit. The third thing he says he doesn't understand and is a mystery the way of a ship on the high seas. Maybe you yourself have seen a movie where there's a big storm on the ocean and the waves are really high, but the ship is able to stay above it. How is that happening? Well, that's a real mystery. And as you know, the Titanic showed that that mystery can be destroyed even by a piece of ice. The fourth thing that he does not understand is the way of a man with a virgin this is, he says in verse 20, the way of an adulteress. She eats and wipes her mouth and says, I have done no wrong. Now this is really important because it reminds us of our epistle for this coming Sunday, which says very clearly that an adulteress is one that means when you commit adultery or fornication, hell can be in store for you if there is no repentance. And that repentance is really important. It's the work of John the Baptizer. As Jesus says, repent of your sins, which means. To look to God and say, I am responsible for my sin. I am the one who is not to be worthy for heaven. Please forgive me. And God can forgive you because of the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. That was a wonderful death because it helps you and saves you from what is in store, namely hell itself. So every person baptized or who comes to faith in the words of the Lord, they are saved and heaven will be their home eternally. For we are not saved by our personal works, which always fail to reach God's standards. So we're saved by the works of Jesus, who reached the standards of God, even to the point of taking his own life, dying on the cross willingly in support of every person in the world, who comes to faith through the Holy Spirit. Join us tomorrow for more on Law and Gospel. I'm Tom Baker. God bless you.